0: You are listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast. This podcast has been created to help you connect and achieve your destiny as a leader. For more information, visit our website at fcf.org. Hey everybody, this is Whitney Baldwin with Faith Christian Fellowship International, and I am sitting here with, I think, the legendary Andy Chrisman from, you may know him from For Him, Grammy-nominated, Dove Award winning, and now Tulsa has the awesome pleasure of having him as the Church on the Move worship leader.
1: Those are all true <laughs> statements about what I've accomplished yes. as far as uh, some of the other accolades. I, you know, I'm just continuing to do what I feel like God wants me to do, That's so awesome. here I am in Tulsa leading worship.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Would you mind telling us a little bit about how you came into beca- going from for him to to worship leader,
1: well, you kind of have to go back uh probably forty some years um and i was i was if you can be spoken over in a Southern Baptist church, uh, <laughs> I think it yes. was more probably people they they knew they saw my gift early on when I was thirteen fourteen years old, and I had pastors and deacons that would that would say from the pulpit after I would sing hey, get his autograph now because he's going to be famous one day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what that does to a 13-year-old is, you know, probably not the best thing to say to somebody like that. But I had good parents that, you know, tried to keep me humble, And but the opportunities continue to come to sing. And I, I started to get that sense that when I took the stage at a church, at my church, and I led the songs, there was an anointing. I didn't know what to call it back then. Right there was an anointing that happened something there was something activated in me that was uh, beyond my abilities and people responded and so i knew early on that there was a, a touch of god in my life to to sing and what what i know now to be is that is the anointing that flows through me when i sing which which matches the gift that god gave me um, to bring peace to people oh i love and, that and and to proclaim the goodness of god yeah. So that calling was all my life back when I was thirteen, fourteen years old. I didn't really acknowledge it. Uh, nobody really, really pushed me towards it. Um, they just kind of called it out, but I knew it was there. And I, back in the '80s, man, I don't, I did not want to be a, a worship pastor. We didn't call them worship pastors back then. It was uh, uh, music directors, right? Or song leaders, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And I just, every song leader, music director I was around, I was just kind of like, that doesn't seem like a very fun life. Um, I didn't really like the music. I wanted to be a pop musician. Mm -hmm. But then growing up in Waco, Texas, there there weren't a lot of people around me. You grew up in L.A. or Nashville or New York or some of the bigger cities, there's some opportunities, maybe you, maybe some friends you went to high school with or went to church with, got into the music business, and there was that culture that, you know, we see in lots of places mm-hmm. where a lot of people come out of one town, even one small town, because somebody built a culture there of, mm-hmm. of musical excellence. Right. Wasn't that where I was growing up in Waco, <laughs> or at least the part of Waco I grew up in. And uh, uh, I went to Oklahoma State, and I was good at math, I was good at English. And so I was a math major with an English minor.
0: That's so funny.
1: Which is funny because it, what is music but meter and rhyme. Right. So God was just kind of playing with me a little bit, going, hey, you go study what, what you think you want to study. But So eventually, my junior year of college, I surrendered to full-time ministry. I just mm. said, God, what do you want me to do? I'm I'm miserable studying math yeah. and English, so what do you want me to do? So we got in there, and, and uh, I got on my knees and and just said, take me wherever you want, to go, want me to go, God. So he had the director of truth call me. Right. It was a God moment. And I went on this group of truth, met the other guys that would form for him, and went out and did that from ni- from 1987 until around 2000. And then I really felt God reignite that thing in my heart that wow. he had told me when I was 13 14 years old you need to be a worship pastor mm-hmm. and I knew it I, I I'd been along down the road and been in the music industry long enough to um, to realize that that's really what my calling was so I started church with a friend of mine in 2000 in Orlando and it was uh, supported uh, monthly by church on the move so I had a connection oh, wow. here nice. yeah I had a connection here and eventually uh, Willie George called and said, Hey, I think you're supposed to be our worship pastor here. So I came in down and interviewed and, and we wound up in Tulsa back in 2005.
0: That's awesome. So that's my journey. That's your journey. Yeah. And th- since you've been here, the church has even gone through its own journey. Oh yeah. Willie has stepped down mm-hmm. and Wit is now in.
1: Yeah. So they started talking about this transition maybe two years ago mm-hmm. and, um, uh, um can you I don't know if you can hear that. I don't or not. know if they can hear there's, this off yeah, there, but this is great. <laughs> yeah, so we're in my office um at church on the move and there's a rehearsal going on the other wall, so you might hear some sounds like uh, somebody in their car next to you with the <laughs> yeah. the bass turned all the way up. Um uh, yeah, so the uh uh pastor Pastor Willie and Pastor Witt, his son, um had just come to this realization that it was time to make a transition. Right. And and hand the church over to Witt. And that was supposed to take ten years because that was kind of the model they were basing it on from some other churches they'd seen, and it happened in about a year. Yeah, wow. It just happened really fast. Um, and so once that happened, everything kind of just snowballed down the hill, right. you know, because now you have a new leader who has a little bit of a different vision mm-hmm. overall for the church that he wants and where he thinks God has taken him and, and and wants to do here. And worship has been a part of that, too. I mean, yeah. we've been known here as a, as a, a, a very high... Um, a culture of, of excellence mm-hmm. and high creativity and we were a little bit deficient i think on the other side of of uh, just really seeking the holy spirit and taking our time in worship and mm. not overproducing things mm-hmm. so it's like we're trying to fill in that second half of the of the you know, with our colors yeah. and we filled in half of it with the excellence and now we're working on filling in the other half with uh, just being open to whatever God wants to do and, so and cool. not overproducing things and letting things flow. So, um, yeah, there's been a lot of changes around here, and there continue to be changes. And, Forever.
0: Yeah. Oh, Forever, because yeah. mm-hmm. nothing stays the same. Uh, no, should it? No. <laughs> Except for the Word N- of God. Right. Exactly. But, um, so what is, please tell me, what is uh, the Church on the Moves, what is their mission statement, or uh, their why is what I call it? Yeah,
1: so our mission statement is introducing people to the real Jesus. Love that. So everything so we do, everything we say, everything we preach, everything we sing, any program that we have, any, any, um, um, anything that we do as a church with, with kids, with youth, um, any missions work, it all has to point back to introducing people to the real Jesus or we don't do it. So it's been really great. We uh, that's, that's a new mission statement for us that we've come up mm-hmm. with over the last two years. Mm-hmm. And uh, it really has changed the heart of our church, yeah, and uh, it's been really great to see what God's done through that.
0: You know what i what I love about that is it kind of gives everybody this sense of we are the church, mm-hmm. you know, not the church building, but yeah. we are the church. So it gives even the people more of a mission to get involved with the big C yeah. church. Right, I love that. That's right. really cool. And
1: I, what's been cool too here is to see how some of these younger uh, church pastors are now in the city of Tulsa are now coming together to fellowship together. Yes. I mean, we've had we've had Paul Doherty from yeah. Victory preach at our church. Mm-hmm. Witt's gone to Victory to preach. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Todd has come over here from mm-hmm. Transformation Church and preached. And we have a great relationship with uh, Craig Groeschel and, and so many of their campuses from yeah. Life Church in the area. Uh, it's been really cool to see how churches have gone from being a little less territorial. I know. And, uh, and you know, really shielding their their flock from other churches and influences just to go, hey, we're if we're gonna win the city of Tulsa, we have to do it together. We can't do it fighting each other or or even even pretending that the other churches don't exist.
0: That's exactly right.
1: And that's been another great thing I've seen with changing our mindset to just reaching people, introducing people to the real Jesus, it connects us not only to Our people into Jesus, but all the other churches in the Tulsa area that we can do this together.
0: Does the worship department have its own mission statement and vision? We
1: really don't. I mean, uh, I I think some of our core values are excellence Mm -hmm. and authenticity, Mm -hmm. and we're always trying. We're struggling every week to find the balance of excellence and authenticity. Mm -hmm. Are we doing this just so we can sound good Mm -hmm. and it can it can look good and and people can go, wow, that was incredible? With You know, are we saying what's really true in our hearts, what we're really seeking after with our real experience with God? Have we really experienced God in the ways that we're singing about, or are they just cool songs that we really like? Yeah. Um, You know, there we've had a lot of things that that God's given us over the last couple of years. One thing that I love are our seven, uh, what I call our seven worship disciplines. Yeah. Which are pray, read, talk, listen, serve, struggle, rest. Mm. And uh we want to be held accountable to all seven of those things, mm-hmm. that we're prayers, mm-hmm. that we know how to pray. And we spend, we spend more time with God in prayer than we do on the stage. And that's something we strive for every single week. Uh, are we reading God's word? Are we learning? Are we growing as as believers and even in our craft and, and the understanding of what worship is? Um, uh, are we talking? Are we in a small group? Do we have someone that we're you know that we're uh, what we call the um, uh, the three S's. Do you know my story, my struggle, and my secrets?
0: Uh, uh, it's
1: cool. being transparent and being open yeah. about who we are. Yeah. Um, uh, do you have relationships outside of this church and with other churches and with other worship leaders and other musicians? Are you listening? Um, You know, are you listening to what's being preached at our church? You know, I know, and I've been a part of this, but I've seen a lot of musicians that just go for the worship. Right. You know, and then they're gone by the time the the message starts. And we're very adamant about that. If you're going to be part of our team, you got to be a listener.
0: Right. And
1: are you listening to the people around you? Mm -hmm. Uh, And what music are you listening to? Are you just listening to Hillsong? Are you really listening to music and where music is going? Um, um, Are you serving you know, I want to know what your servant level is, not just, well, I'm serving on stage every weekend. Right. Well, you're actually doing the one thing in the church that's getting applause. Mm. You know, nobody's applauding for the people parking the car or that's opening right. the doors or changing the baby diapers or teaching your children uh, about Jesus, but they sure are applauding for the music that you make and yeah. the way you make them feel on stage. So I want to know that you have a servant's heart off the stage. Are you the first to pick up trash or the first to volunteer to go do something other than music in our church? Are you willing to go stack chairs and be there early and stay late? I want to see that our, our team has servant attitudes. Uh, and then I want to see if you're struggling, if you're struggling in your craft to get better mm. at what you do. Are you, are you continuing to grow as a musician, as a songwriter, as a leader, um, as a developer of leaders? Um, you know, science tells us that nothing stays the same. That's right you're either, you're either um, growing or you're dying. decaying, mm-hmm. right? So you can't stay the same. And if you're not growing, we know that in some way you're declining and degrading. And I gotta know if you're gonna be a part of my team or part of this team at Church on the Move in worship that you're, you're moving up. You're, you're shedding your old skin and, and growing something new. And then finally, are you resting? And that there's a lot there. We talk a lot about the Sabbath. Uh, I love what yes. Pastor George says. He says, uh, uh, God can do more in six days than you can in seven. That's right. So you got to learn how to take a break. You right. can't say yes to everything. Right. It's It's not really my job is the worship director to make sure you have time off that's your job first right between you and god and your family but there's also rest in you know what do your best and let that be enough Mm -hmm. and let and know that god's okay with that that it's not all about you it's not about the song you sing it's not about the the note that you play um it's about are you a child of god and if you really understand that you know you can rest in that no matter what kind of performance you give out no matter what mistake you make out there
0: because everybody's going to make mistakes.
1: Everybody's going <laughs> to make mistakes. I tell my team this all the time. Excellence is always attainable. Perfection isn't.
0: That's right. So,
1: you know what? Let's work hard during the week. And then when the, once the weekend comes, once it's time to hit the stage, then let's just be ourselves. Let's be authentic and know that we can rest yeah. in what we've done.
0: The average church in America is under 200 people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Church mm-hmm. on the Move is not under 200 people. No, But... It started someplace, right?
1: Right, it did. Oh, yeah, when I came in, uh, there was already a system in place that, you know, was working, but it wasn't going to translate into the next decade. Okay. And one of the reasons they brought me in uh, was, obviously, there was a gap in leadership Mm -hmm. in in the worship department. The the person who'd been here before me was here a long time Mm -hmm. uh, and then was gone, and God moved him somewhere else, and there was a little bit of a, a gap there when I came in. I took over a program that was basically running on repeat, mm. you know, yeah. um, and had done everything they'd been doing for the past 10 years. And when I came in, um, I knew how to do things a different way. Mm-hmm. I'd been on the road for, you know, 15 right. years at that point and had done, you know, probably 5,000 concerts. I knew what it take to just engage with an audience and and, and just do things a little, maybe a little different way. And there were a lot of our players that just – weren't able to move into that new direction. Uh, and that's okay. No, that's totally fine. Uh, a lot of older players that weren't willing to get a little, maybe a little extra time to rehearsals mm-hmm. or maybe be a little more flexible. That's okay too. So we kind of went through a youth movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we, a lot of our older players stepped aside very willingly and very graciously. And uh, we had a lot of younger players come onto our team. And here's mm-hmm. one thing that I've I found out about this. And I've, I've realized this is a, a very, Tried and true principle in just any business that you're in is that whatever you put on stage, whatever product you put in front of people, that's what you'll attract. Yeah. And so if we're older and with really, really seasoned, incredible, high end musicians, that's who you're going to attract. And there's not very many of those in Tulsa. Right. Uh, But what there are, what we have a ton of in Tulsa are young people. That's right. 16 to 22 year olds who have taught themselves how to play guitar. Yeah. They have their favorite artists. <laughs> Maybe they play in a couple little garage bands around town. And once they start seeing people who look like them on stage, they go, oh, I can be a part of that. If yeah. they can do that, I can do that. Yes. And we really start, started to see a, uh, uh, a renaissance of, of team building, of depth. of And you know what? The, for, the, for a year there, our excellence declined.
0: You're sure. Because we
1: had a lot of players that were just figuring out how to use pedals and Mm -hmm. amps, and we were teaching them how to play differently than how they taught themselves. Mm -hmm. and um, So there was a transition point there that was a little painful, but we scored high on the authentic meter, Mm -hmm. right? Right. And so that kept people engaged until our excellence caught up with our authenticity. And I, I talk to churches all the time, talk to worship pastors all the time. They're just like, how do we take that next step? How do we get past what's always been at our church and worship to where we eventually want to go and it's going to be healthy in the next decade? And my my first answer is I want to know how old your players are and your singers are on stage. It doesn't mean that everybody has to be young, but if you're not if you're not investing in the next generation on your stage, you're not going to attract those next generation musicians onto your stage. And so that's one of the first things we work on is Mm -hmm. we got to get younger. We have to get younger. Uh, I'm 53. Mm -hmm. So my whole, my whole, uh, philosophy has been, I want to work myself out of a job.
0: Okay. (laughs) So crazy. (laughs) You just said that. Uh, we just had Dr. Dean Radke in um, this last week, training a lot of our upper-level leadership. Yeah. Um, this is my second time to go through his course, and that's one of the things he says: work yourself out of a job. That you should have somebody under you that, within one year, should be able to do eighty-five percent of your job. Mm-hmm. So you're obviously doing that.
1: We've done a really good job of it. Uh, we're not perfect at it, and uh, you know, and crazy things will happen. You'll lose five people in a month.
0: Right? You it, know? Happens. Yeah. it happens.
1: It mm-hmm. happens. Um, but you know, one of the things that we tell all of our leaders around here is, um, I'm going to judge your leadership by who your who your next up is and who's your ready who's your ready in six months. Mm. So you should be having, if you're a leader, you should have somebody that you're training to do what you do, and you should have somebody that you have your eye on to say, if I poured into them in six months, they could be doing what I do. Now, there are certain people at talent levels right. that are just you know they're unicorns they're Mm -hmm. you know nobody's gonna be able to touch what they Mm do um talent wise Mm -hmm. and some speakers are like that some singers some musicians but there's always a place for people who can come up and you're always looking for all different uh types and styles and 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 um and talent levels so that you can start building your team Mm -hmm. and and again most churches even small churches that they say they say we don't have the musicians The only ones we have is you know the you know again no offense but the 55 year old guy on Mm -hmm. bass and the you know the the 60 year old drummer and they just play what they want to play it's the way they've always played Mm -hmm. um but i guarantee you there are musicians in your congregation yeah you're just afraid to let the quality dip Mm. and sometimes we have to yeah a ruffle feathers or let a young speaker get up and give a sunday night message or a sunday morning message Mm -hmm. um you know, we have to be developers of leaders. That's what Jesus did. That's exactly he right. He found 12 people who he walked with for three and a half years, and then he was gone. hmm And he, they were like, oh, now we got to go. Do? And he said, now you go out into all the world right. and proclaim the gospel. Now it's your turn. Go. Um, this wasn't a ton of years for them to sit under him, but, you know, they did what they had to do. They remembered his words, and they made a lot of mistakes. Yeah. And they went forward and changed the world. Um, I think I think we just at, when you're successful, you never want to give it up.
0: Yeah.
1: When you get good at something, you never want to give it you up. Yeah,
0: comfortable. And
1: I heard this when I first got here. Hey, be so good at your job that they that that they can't fire you.
0: Mm-hmm. That
1: there's no way they can fire you. And thankfully, we've gotten rid of that culture here yeah. at Church on the Move. Is that let go right. as much as you can. Um, I've heard this said before at other churches. If I find you doing ministry, I'll fire you. Whoa. So pass it down. Always be teaching. Uh-huh. Always be giving away leadership. Always be giving away power. Um, and and just guard, be guardrails for people. I think yeah. that's what we have to be as leaders in the church is less, less doing and more guardrails.
0: Oh, that's so good. How can you be a leader if you're the one that's doing it? You're n- not right. doing anything but... In, mm-hmm. uh, breaking up the people that are supposed to be under you. Yeah.
1: And you know what? That's happened to me here at Church on the Move. I'm not on stage as much as I used to be, Mm. and I can still do it. Mm -hmm. Um, I can still do it at a high level, but the more I'm out there, the more time I'm taking away from someone who could be in that spot and Mm -hmm. learning. Somebody did that for me. My brother did that for me in 1986, 85. Uh, He was a worship pastor at a church in Stillwater, Oklahoma, and he basically just said, no, I'm not going to come in this weekend. You do it for me. Wow. I'm like, well, okay. okay, Well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> so, you know, that happened for me. Somebody gave me a lot of responsibility, and, you know, they just said, it'll be fine. The church will still be standing next week. You know, I tell my young leaders when they come off stage and they have their head down because they don't feel like they did a great job or they yeah. messed up a lot. I, all, I, I just asked them, did you send anybody to hell? Right. <laughs> and they'll smile and laugh, and I said, then... Then you'll you're, you'll be here another week. It'll so, be okay. It'll be okay. <laughs>
0: uh, one thing that I know a lot of churches have a difficult time with is um, expectations with volunteers. You know they they feel that because they're a volunteer, they feel like they can't put a certain level of excellence or expectation on them. Um, and I even I even struggled with that. We do a large conference every year, and mm-hmm. the majority of it is volunteer run yeah and it can be really difficult to say here's my level of expectation and excellence please meet it right um how important is that do, and does your does your department run on volunteers
1: oh yeah big time uh and so when we do pay people and this isn't a luxury i know most churches can't do this but right. when we do pay people i can expect more out of them right i can say you need to come prepared you need to you, we all need to work together uh, we need to become a team. And, and if you don't, I'm going to stop paying you. And mm-hmm. I'll find somebody else who wants to make this money and can come in and do that. When you're working strictly with volunteers who you're not paying, that's where it gets difficult. And the, the whole thing you've got to remember with volunteers is if you don't have a culture, you have nothing. Mm-hmm. If you're just giving people, saying, here are the songs we're doing, you show up. We're going to run through them real quick, and then we're going to do our service, and we're never going to talk about if it was if, if anything could be better, if we could get better, how do we get better, and, if, and there's no buy-in from your team about this is where we want to go, this is our culture, this is what we want to put on stage every weekend, then you really have nothing. You can't build on anything. Mm-hmm. And then you just have individual people who are just going to do what they want to do. Right, and they're going to do what feels right, and if they don't feel like it, they're not going to bring their best, or they're going to come in all amped up and they're going to way outshine everybody else. Mm -hmm. And there's no team chemistry. Mm -hmm. So the first thing that I tell worship pastors who are struggling with this is you got to have a culture, Mm -hmm. and you have have to you have to have a culture checklist. We've got that to where these are the things we believe about worship and what make us church on the move in worship and you have to have those things and you got to stick to them. You got to believe in them, you got to stick to them and then you allow people through your through that gate that will sign that little letter of expectation to say this is what we expect of you. This is this is what we need you to do. This is how awful we need you to do it and it's a privilege for you to get up on that stage and proclaim the glory of God.
0: Could you give us an example of your culture checklist? Like, you don't have to go through the whole thing. Yeah, but yeah. Just tell us a few things that are on there.
1: So I actually emailed this to a friend of mine the other day, so I'm going to pull it up. And uh, this is a work in progress. This is something that's always changing. In fact, I just had a conversation today with with uh, three of my main worship staff just about some things that aren't working, mm. some things that need to tweak we mm-hmm. need to change, and we're maybe too far over to the right on this one and not far enough on the left on this one. Uh, But I can read you uh, a few things here, uh, that our teams are spiritually prepared, um, that uh, we don't ask too much of our band Mm. every weekend, um, that we strive for diversity on stage Mm -hmm. uh, with ethnicity, age, and gender. Um, uh, You know, we, we make sure that everybody's set up to win. Mm-hmm. We make sure that uh, the songs are appropriate for the weekend. They're not mm-hmm. just songs that we pick at random. Right. They're songs that, that, uh, that fit the culture and the season that we're in as a church and mm-hmm. the message that's being preached. Uh, we believe in creating beautiful moments. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to walk off the stage in rehearsal until we know that's going to be beautiful because God deserves that. That's right. He deserves our best. Um, uh, we believe that, that, that beauty is a, is a clue for God anything that's beautiful is a reflection of god that's right. and so we want our music to be beautiful we yeah. want to be beautiful up there it doesn't mean that we have to you know have to all be models but you know what Where's wear something nice and clean fix your hair don't just we roll out together. of bed you know before you get up there that's sometimes hard when you have a 17 18 year old on your team <laughs> you know they're up they're up till 2 a.m playing video games and roll out of bed 20 minutes before they get to church um and those are some of the culture things mm-hmm. the culture checklist that we have to go these are the things we expect of you uh we expect you to to um to be prepared for rehearsals mm-hmm. we expect you to bring your best every time um yeah there's there's probably there's probably 20 things on this list. Most of them are for our worship pastors and for our music directors. But, still, it but everybody good. has to understand yeah. this is what we're trying to achieve every single weekend.
0: That's so good. And
1: that's how you create culture. Yeah. This is what it is. If we're if you're going to run McDonald's, what's your culture going? Number one culture is going to be the food has to be fresh and it has to be fast mm-hmm. and it has to be the same at every single location, right? right? Um that's your culture. Um you go to I don't know, you can name any other, any other successful brand and they have a culture. Mm -hmm. This is what we produce and this is how we produce it. And so the people who come to work for us or, or open our stores, they have to buy into this culture because once the culture slips, the product slips. That's right. And then people start to check out and,
0: um, they call it drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You got to make sure everybody's drinking the Kool-Aid. That's right. That's good. I love that. I've never seen one of those before. By the way, I'm well, I'm I, I eventually,
1: unless somebody beats me to it, I'll put that into book form at some point. And I've That's already sent really it to cool. uh, I send it to every worship pastor who a- asks about it, and and tell them I would love to see what you would add to this.
0: Okay, my other question in regards to your culture code, mm-hmm. um, and you mentioned before, it may not have been it was your core values. I believe that you mentioned how many of those are scripturally based.
1: Oh, well, <laughs> um, or do ooh, you, you got me.
0: Do you find scripture to back those up?
1: You know what? I find scripture to back up our sentiment behind these. Yes, um, yeah. You know,
0: Yeah.
1: and you know what? I'm always open to someone bringing me a scripture that I didn't think about to yeah. say, you know, actually the scripture says this. And I go, oh, my gosh, well. Man, we got to change that, right? Or let me let me spend some time with the Holy Spirit in this and see what that Scripture means to me and yeah. what it means in context to who we are as a church. Um, and and I do believe in the inerrancy of Scripture. If God said it, then we need to obey it. Mm-hmm. We need to consider it. We need to apply it to our lives. Yeah. Um, but there 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 is a passage of Scripture I, I come back to, and I kind of align all of what I what I've helped create here at Church on the Move with our culture in worship is. Uh, He's in First Chronicles um, chapter thirteen, and then again in chapter fifteen, and this is the story of when David is bringing the ark mm. back to Jerusalem, mm-hmm. and and they 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 put it on an ox cart, which is against the law, right? And uh, the the uh, ox stumble, and the cart starts to, you know, be unsteady, and Uzzah reaches his hand out and touches the ark, and he dies. Mm-hmm. God kills him. Uh, because it was he wasn't clean, he wasn't ritually clean, he wasn't supposed to touch the ark, and David had to stop in his tracks. Um, and uh, there's a lot of conjecture theological about what David felt at that moment. He was angry at God. He was angry at himself. He was angry at the situation. Um, he was in a hurry. Uh, he had this big party planned, you know, that was about to happen, and this was just all this stuff put right. the brakes on everything David wanted to do. And so what that teaches us, I believe, is that there's a way to approach God.
0: Mm, but God yes. says,
1: don't, you can't just show up. You can because of grace and because of Jesus, but we should feel, we should feel like, do you ever go to a party and you go empty-handed? Yeah. <laughs> you just kind of feel like we should bring something. We're
0: not prepared. Or
1: you know what, you're not going to go to somebody's somebody's awesome party if you've been digging a ditch all day mm-hmm. and you haven't taken time to go take a shower. Look, I don't want to get into legalism here to say right. you can only approach God if you're clean and you're perfect right. and you bring yeah. the greatest gift. That is not what I'm saying at all. But those of us who have given our lives a ministry and we say we're gonna we're gonna feed God's people and worship every week and we're gonna go before the throne of God, we want to we we should want to bring something beautiful, and like David said, I will not offer a sacrifice to the Lord that costs me nothing. Mm. I want it to cost me something, mm. you know. Um, and so then we fast forward to. Um, First Chronicles chapter fifteen, and I've got, if I've gotten these wrong, please forgive me. These uh, um, these chapters, but uh, they go. David goes back, and he finds the the Levites who know how to uh, how to properly transport the ark, how to house it once they get into Jerusalem, and uh, he appoints uh, Kenaniah, hmm. who is the they've called in the, the the Bible calls him the most skilled singer in Israel. And he is in charge of putting the music together. And so he doesn't just go to somebody on the side of the road and say, hey, can you sing? Hey, why don't you put a a band together and let's do this? No, he went to the most skilled person in all of Israel. It shows me that God has appointed people. God has skilled people to, to lead the worship. And so it starts with that first person. Are you skilled and are you called? Are you in the right position to lead God's church in worship as his glory passes before you um and so that's where i take a lot of my personal theology for worship Mm. is that you know because of what jesus has done the the holy of holies is torn from top to bottom we can now approach the throne it was one of the first songs i ever sang professionally it was a song called holy of holies um and and it really impacted my life and the way i think about worship is that we can come as we are right now we can start worshiping and, and I'm about God to would be, join in with what and, <laughs> and, and God would be pleased <laughs> yeah. and God is waiting for us but I think there's also a, a great case to be made that when we gather together as a church when we come together as a holy church. Let's do something that costs us something. Mm. Let's let's give God an offering that we've prepared. We've been meticulous over, we've poured over, we make sure that it's scripturally accurate, that it's beautiful, that the right people are on stage because the Holy Spirit wants to do something and he's got yeah. a plan. Let's see if we can dig into that plan just as much as we can instead of just going you showing up on Sunday morning going, "Well, I hope we hit it." Well, yeah. I hope we did this. That's th- honestly, that's why I developed the checklist
0: mm-hmm. was
1: because I got tired of hearing my worship pastors go, yeah, it just didn't feel great this weekend. I don't know why. Or, yeah, that song just didn't work this weekend. I don't know why. Well, you know what? One of my favorite phrases is, if you don't know how something works, you don't know how to fix it when it breaks. That's right. So we need to know how this thing works. Yeah. And the Old Testament will tell us how it works. Mm. The New Testament will tell us why, even if it doesn't, we don't do it properly, God still loves us and still Mm -hmm. wants us at his party. Mm -hmm. He's still going to fling that door open. And if we're filthy, if we're unprepared, if we came empty-handed, he's going to say, get in here. I love you. Come join my party. But woe be it for us if we take advantage of the hospitality of the king. We want to bring something that is valuable, that's beautiful, that is from our hearts, that means something to us, that costs us something. And at that point we stay in this awe of who God is. Yeah. We stay in this in this this uh we, we sit at the beauty of the feet of Jesus and just in awe and wonder to say, I want to bring everything I can possibly bring to you. That's that's where this philosophy and worship comes. And you say there's specific scriptures that back up all these things. Yeah, somewhere. And I'm yeah. sure if I sat down for another but that's three not the purpose years of why you did right, it. If I sat down for another three years, I, I could I could find a verse to fit every one of my mm-hmm. of uh, of these uh, um, of these checklists points on the checklist. But overall, it's let, let's just don't go flippantly to God. Yeah, I just don't think that's the most wise thing that we can do. Be prepared. Yeah, let's 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 get in the habit of preparing to meet God on His mountain um,
0: for a older generation church. What would you recommend? How would they start in their efforts to reach younger people?
1: Um, first of all, have a conversation with someone that's doing it well. Mm. I think we isolate ourselves yeah. too much, and we don't. We need to. We need to. Uh, we need to get information and wisdom from people who've been doing this successfully for a long time. Mm. So the first thing you do is research it. Don't just go and go. Well, we have to get young. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna go out there and get rid of all our old people and get young people. No, you gotta have a plan. Sit down with your pastor, talk about where you maybe your pastor doesn't wanna go that way. Whatever you do, don't be at odds with your your lead pastor That's at your right. church. He of has course. a vision. He is he is God's appointed person for that church, and he's the one who'll be held accountable yes. in uh, at the judgment seat of Christ on how he shepherded his people. Mm-hmm. And what you don't wanna do is just continually poking against that and kicking against that. So get in in the, get in get with your senior pastor, your senior leaders, and ask them, what do you want? And you know what? If you can't agree with what they want, it's time for you to find a different church. Mm-hmm. Don't try and push past what they feel like God's telling them to do and how to lead the church. Now, if they're in agreement, I would say, sit down and have a conversation, an honest conversation with every person on your team. Honest. I did that when I first came here, and that was about 80 people when I first my first year here I made sure I had a conversation with every single person that, that 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 gives up time to be on our stage or is paid to be on our stage I just want to know their heart why are you here we're, we're allowing them I start to ask questions for people to disqualify themselves right right say okay so this is what we do mm-hmm. and this is what we expect and and just kind of keep keep Throwing those things out there for someone to finally go, ah, yeah, that's too much for me. Mm -hmm. And we'll go, hey, you know it's great. There are a lot of other ministries around here Mm -hmm. that you might be comfortable in. Mm -hmm. But this is what we do, and this is what it's going to take to be on our team. So start talking to your people. Have that culture ready to go, and then start talking to your people about what qualifies you to be on our team. And a lot of people will disqualify themselves, and they'll do it gracefully. They won't get mad. They'll just go. You know. You know what? I just don't think I can. I can be. I'm at a time in my life. I can't do that anymore. Well, man, we love you. We want you to be a part of our church. I'm mm-hmm. still going to use you whenever mm-hmm. you're available. But we need to make room for some younger people to come up through here. Um, we're just. We want this church to be around in 40, 50 years, and to grow from the bottom up, not just from from older people, but from younger people coming up. That's where you have to start. Start with your pastor and your leadership team, and see what they want. Um, and then start having conversations with everybody on your team. Make sure you know the condition of your flock. Yeah. Know everybody that's on your team, where they are in life, what they can give. You may find out that some people have been doing it grudgingly mm-hmm. for years yeah. because they thought you needed them or because you thought that they, they thought they were the only ones that could manage that position. Take that pressure off of them. You know what? If it gets down to it, you and your guitar, you and your piano, you and one other person can lead worship. Mm-hmm. David did it with just a, With just a liar out in the fields, and he's considered one of the great, maybe the greatest worship leader and songwriter of all time. And most of that stuff he wrote when nobody else was around. That's right. So um, you can do this, but sometimes you just got to push the reset button.
0: Yeah. You have been listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast, where our focus is to help you achieve your destiny as a leader. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, visit our website at fcf.org.